You're listening to the St. John's Diamond Creek Podcast. Well, welcome back to the St. John's Diamond Creek Podcast, episode four of Christianity Explored. I'm Andy, back with Tim. Hey, everybody. Hi, Tim. Well, uh, we're, we're getting through this series now. We're into episode four of six. So we're in the back half now, Tim. Definitely in the back half. And we're kind of taking a little bit of a, a shift of focus, Andy, as we get into the second half. Yeah, so we've been working our way through the book of Mark. And last week we read the last tiny little bit of Mark, that last chapter. And so we've run out of Mark. Yeah, we're still going to go back into Mark. But okay. I guess the shift of focus is we've been talking in the first three episodes about the life the death and the resurrection of Jesus, each of those episodes, uh, and what they mean that uh, through Jesus' life and demonstrating his authority, through his death on, death on the cross and rising to life, that he, he offers people forgiveness for sin, the wrong things that we've done, and even more than that, the attitude, I guess, that we've had to God not giving him his rightful place and trying to run things our own ways, that God offers forgiveness for that through Jesus. Uh, but also through his resurrection and his defeat of death that there's this eternal life, life that starts now and goes on forever, life beyond the grave, a hope beyond death that Jesus offers. So we've kind of focused on Jesus and what he has done, but we want to shift focus, I guess, and think about, okay, so what do, what do we do in response to that? Uh, how do we access these good things that uh, uh, Jesus offers us? What, what do we need to do um, to have these good gifts, I guess, that we've been speaking about, forgiveness and, and life? Yeah, so we're, we're sort of taking it from the, the headspace, the knowledge of these facts, um, this historical account of the life, death and resurrection of Jesus. And so today, is it fair to say we're taking it more into the heart? Yep. And how do we, yeah, as you said, how do we respond to Jesus and, and yeah, how do we make that decision real in our own lives? Yep. And, and we're hoping that some of you who are listening out there, you're, you're at this point where you've kind of ticked, yep, okay, I kind of get what you guys have been talking about, but so what? What do I need to do? And we really want to help you as we talk through this to think about what the next steps might be for you over these uh, next three episodes. Yeah, great. So, as you already said, we're, um, we're plunging back into some of the earlier parts of Mark um, that you may have read this week as homework. And so, we're using uh, the book of the Bible, Mark. It's one of the biographies of Jesus. And we're using the translation that's called the NIV, the New International Version. And again, if you don't have a Bible, you can get one for free online, bible.com. Uh, they've got an app you can download on your phone. Or, again, you can reach out to us. We would love to get a Bible in your hands if you don't have one already. So, we're diving back into Mark. Where are we going? We're in Mark 10. I feel like we've done a little bit of Mark 10 over the Mark way. 10. Yeah. Uh, these are bits that we haven't covered yet. Okay. Uh, just a little uh, interaction. Mark 10, uh, 13 to 16. Uh, I'll get you to read it, Andy. No background really needed. I think uh, it's sort of self-contained and we'll just talk about it. Great. People were bringing little children to Jesus. For him to place his hands on them. But the disciples rebuked them. When Jesus saw this, he was indignant. He said to them, Let the little children come to me. Do not hinder them, for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. 
Truly I tell you, anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. And he took the children in his arms, placed his hands on them, and blessed them. Mm. Uh, So it's a lovely little story, um, and it shows some of the priorities of Jesus that we've already talked about, Andy. We, We talked about Jesus being one who serves He's not out to big note himself. Um, And here, people bring their children to Jesus, and Jesus' followers, who regularly don't get it, as we've seen, uh, figure out, no, look, Jesus is too important to bother with with a bunch of kids. And so they try and push the kids away, tell the parents to nick off. And Jesus uh, is pretty annoyed, indignant, is what it says. And he says, no, no, I've got time for children. Let them come. And he welcomes the children. Uh, But in that context, too, he says a couple of quite stunning things that are helpful for us as we think about our response to Jesus. First of all, he says that uh, God's kingdom, which is really, you know, um, uh, God's kingdom is about uh, God being in charge, God's rule. It's not a it's not a place with a castle or anything like that, as we often think about kingdoms. It's about anywhere where God is allowed to be God and be in charge. Um, so that's what God's kingdom is about. And he's saying these children actually have a place in a relationship uh, with God and allowing God to be the key part of their lives. So children are welcome. But then he goes a step further and he says, you know, actually... If you will not receive God's kingdom, God's rule, like a child, you'll never enter it. So Jesus is saying the way into a relationship with God is to be childlike and be willing to receive it is the language that he uses. Yeah, that's pretty, that's pretty, uh, I don't know, it's a, it's a bold concept, I think it's, um, He's not talking about being naive as a child, yeah. But it's uh, it's still that that acceptance, I guess, that you know God's so often referred to as the father, mm. um, and so you want to be like that child running to their dad because they know that dad is safe and dad is protection and dad is dad is love. Absolutely, um, yeah. So it's yeah, not not talking about the naivety of children or or just blindly following. Um, knowing that that's your home and that's the safe place. Yeah, excellent. I mean, that's spot on, Andy, actually, because uh, yeah, people often think, oh, they talk about Christians having blind faith and you have to switch your brain off to be a Christian, which is uh, nonsense if you think historically about the contributions that Christian thinkers have made to the history of the world. It's uh, some of the some of the best thinkers in science, in philosophy, in all areas of thought have been Christian thinkers. Uh, it's not about being uh, naive, gullible, switching your brain off. Yeah. It's, it's, you've said, it's an attitude of the heart. You know, children um, uh, just uh, receive. They're, they're, they're not sort of sceptical or they don't close their, their hearts and their minds uh, to people, but are actually really willing to receive and welcome. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's the key language that's used here. You must receive uh, like a child, be willing to say yes to God and receive what he's offering as a gift. That's going to be a key thing, that, that this is a gift from God. And children are great. Yeah. <laughs> My kids love gifts. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and they, when they're offered a gift, they're not sort of, hmm, hang on, what are you trying to get out of me? They're 
just open to say, oh, yeah, a gift, that looks good, and I'm going to receive it. That's the sort of attitude that Jesus is talking about here. Yeah, yep. great. Um, and we're going to read on the very next bit which follows because it creates a contrast, and I think Mark's put these two things right back to back um, to show the contrast. So this is Mark 10, 17 to 27, where uh, a different guy um, comes up to Jesus and has an interaction. As Jesus started on his way, a man ran up to him and fell on his knees before him. Good teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Why do you call me good? Jesus answered, no one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. You shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not give false testimony, you shall not defraud, honour your father and mother. Teacher, he declared, all these I have kept since I was a boy. Jesus looked at him and loved him. One thing you lack, he said, go and sell everything you have and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Then, come follow me. At this, the man's face fell. He went away sad, because he had great wealth. Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, How hard it is for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. The disciples were amazed at his words, but Jesus said it again, Children, how hard it is to enter the kingdom of God. It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. The disciples were even more amazed and said to each other, Who then can be saved? Jesus looked at them and said, With man this is impossible, but not with God. All things are possible with God. Yeah. Um, so uh, this guy comes to Jesus and he doesn't really come like we've just seen uh, as a child. Not quite, no. No, and the, it's interesting the way that the first question that he asks, Andy, he says, good teacher, what must I do to receive eternal life? So his focus in coming is, uh, I guess, his own goodness, track record, um, how much of a good person mm. that he's actually been, uh, that he's looking to sort of check whether he's done enough to earn yeah. eternal life. Have I ticked life? all the boxes? Yeah. You know, have I made a passing grade? Absolutely. Yeah. And I think that's how lots of people think about a relationship with God. Um, people um, think positively about themselves sometimes and think, yeah, well, God would, God would accept me because I'm a good person. You know, I've never killed anyone. Sometimes we have a pretty low bar, you know. Yeah. I've never, I've never, I've never <laughs> yeah. killed anyone or done anything really bad. I've never been as bad as sort of a, a Hitler or a yeah. Pol Pot or, you know, one of these serial killers or something like that. Uh, and we think, well, that that's probably where God's standard would be. Yeah, the really bad people, they'll go to hell. Yep. But, I'm, you know, I'm all right. I'm, I'm all right, yeah. And Jesus knocks that on the head straight away because... Uh, this guy's called him a good teacher, and Jesus says, why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. Um, now, we know that Jesus is good, and when you look at his life, it's stunning in the way that he uh, not only avoids evil, but positively does good in yeah. terms of his relationships. So he is good, but he's reframing for this guy and saying, hang on a second, um, what's the standard of goodness here? It's only God who is good. 
uh, he's acknowledging the reality that if we're honest with all of our lives, that there's uh, failings and things that we do wrong. And so trying to think that our lives have been good enough that God would say, yep, you've done everything that you need. Uh, we're being a bit, um, uh, we're not really being honest about some of the dark areas that exist in all of our lives, in our in our thinking, in the words that we speak, and the way that we, we do hurt other people. Often it's unintentional. Um, and I guess at the heart of what we've been talking about too is our attitude to God. Have we been good in the way that we relate to God? Have we given him the full place that he deserves, uh, which is actually what the heart of heart of sin is? Uh, and I guess the flip side for people too is there are people who look at their lives and they, they feel, yep, I'm not too bad and God would accept me. There's other people who, when they look at their lives, they feel pretty distressed that God would never want them. Mm. I guess uh, some of you who are listening might be very conscious of your, your failings in life, of things that you deeply regret that you've done. And you think, yeah, they, I, I'm, I haven't been good. I'm very conscious of that. And there's no way that God would want me. Um, but that's not the way that we have a relationship with God. It doesn't come down to the good things that we've done. Uh, with this guy here, uh, Jesus sort of lists the commandments, uh, the Ten Commandments, some of them at least. And this guy's pretty positive that he's been good. He's, he's done them all, whether he actually has or not. It's another matter, but he's, he's confident. Uh, and Jesus says, well, you're missing one thing. Go sell everything you have and give it to the poor. Uh, and he's pretty distressed about that because Jesus has put his finger on the one thing that he's not willing to give up uh, to have a relationship with Jesus. He loves his money, actually, more than he wants this relationship with God. Um should just be clear that Jesus is not saying, um, you know, okay, so you've done all these things and now the next step of what you need to do on the list of good things to do to have a relationship with God is get rid of all your money. Uh, he He's worked out that this is what's holding this guy back. Um, this is what's stopping him being, if you like, childlike and just being willing to receive from God uh, because he's more interested in, in his own wealth. Yeah. And, uh, and like it's a contextual statement, isn't it? So... We spoke last week about um, people, you know, Jesus saying, cut off your own hand if it's causing you to sin. So we used the example last week of um, getting rid of your mobile phone if it's causing you to, to you know, do sinful things or to prioritize that over relationships, um, mm. especially relationships with God. And so in this story, Jesus is saying, well, your hand is your wealth. And so you need to cut that off. That's what's stopping you from having a relationship with God. Absolutely. Jesus isn't saying that to be a Christian, you have to sell everything that you have. Yep. Um, he's not, uh, he's not a, a you know, minimalist in that sense mm. that, that you can't have wealth and be a Christian. Yep. It's just what you do with that wealth and that it doesn't become a, a sticking point for you to, um, to get in the way of, of loving others and loving God. Yep. Absolutely. Um, and he's, when he has this interaction with, uh, this guy, his followers, his disciples are pretty amazed because in those days, um, I guess people did think that those who were wealthy probably had been good and God had blessed them where their wealth had come. And so for Jesus to say it's really hard for the rich to enter the kingdom of God is a stunning statement. They think, well, if they can't get in, who can? 
And Jesus has this, he, Jesus has wonderful images that he uses. And he says, well, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for rich to enter the kingdom of God. That's pretty hard. I've seen a couple of camels in my day, seen a couple of needles in my day, like, yep. they're even those Polar big, opposites. <laughs> even those big needles that you use for like wool and things yeah, like that. Yeah. Squeezing a camel through that's going to be hard That's going to be tough. Yeah. It's, it's, it's meant to be an impossible image. It can't be done. No. Uh, well, not quite. It can't be done by if people. If you've got a really big needle and well, like a baby camel. Well, no, it really you really can't get okay. the camel through the eye <laughs> of the needle. <laughs> um, but entering the kingdom of God really can't be done by us. By us, yeah. Jesus says, uh, it's impossible for people, not with God. All things are possible with God. Yeah. So it is possible to enter God's kingdom, but it's not going to come from our own good actions. You know, we're not going to achieve it by keeping a list of rules, uh, by trying the best that we can. We're utterly reliant on God achieving it. Uh, and as we've been talking about, the way that God achieves uh, uh well, it makes makes the way open for us to have a relationship with him, to be within his kingdom, to have eternal life, is through the work of Jesus, through his life, death, and resurrection. Um, so we need to knock on the head this idea that being in a relationship with God comes from being good, trying hard enough. In fact, any sort of ritual action, um, even churchy things like, oh, well, I was baptized when I was a kid, um, so that's enough. I'm kind of in regardless of that. Nope, that, that's not enough. Uh, oh, well, I go to church. Um, well, as uh, one, one person once said, no, just because uh, you sit in a garage doesn't make you a car. So sitting in a church building doesn't actually make you a Christian. That's not about what we do. It's what Jesus has done and the way that we receive it. Again, we've got to receive this free gift that he's offering us like a child. We've got to say yes to Jesus. You've done it for me, and I receive it. Yeah. Yeah. And this is something that I mean, Christians all over the world are still struggling with. You know, it's always something, it's, it always becomes a sticking point for, for people that we get this idea in our heads that we, yeah, we need to be earning God's love, and we need to be be doing stuff to to get into the kingdom of God, mm. um, but this this is something that's been going on since day dot. Like this is Jesus talking, uh, you know, and people not getting it then, and two thousand odd years later, still not really getting it. Yep, absolutely. Um, we do find it hard to get our heads around, and I think um, it it is it is what marks Christianity out from other religions. Uh, religion uh, generally is about doing good things, doing certain rituals or actions, good works, so that we can uh, be in good standing with God. That's kind of what religion often means. It's about the the actions or the rituals. Um, And in in one sense, Christianity is not a religion in that sense. I mean, there are things that we would do, but it's about a relationship rather than a religion. It's about a relationship with God through Jesus Christ. It's about uh, accepting Jesus rather than uh, earning a place with God through the good things we've done. And it's hard to get a head around because it's actually unique to Christianity, I would say, compared to other religions. 
Um, every other religion says you have to do certain things and then God will accept you. Christianity says Jesus has done it for you and you need to receive it like a child. You need to receive what he's offering. Yeah. So we will jump. We're jumping out of Mark uh, to uh, Ephesians. Uh, this is one of my favorite passages in the Bible. So I'm sticking it in there, even though it's not nice. in the book of Mark. But I think it's really helpful for just quite succinctly uh, putting together these thoughts that we've been discussing. Uh, Ephesians 2, and it's just a few verses. It's uh, verses 8 to 10. Uh, context again, this is one of the letters that Paul has written. We looked at another one of his letter to the Corinthians uh, last week. This is one of his letters to um, the church at Ephesus. He's writing to followers of Jesus, and he's trying to make sure that they have clearly in their head what Christianity is all about. So we get this really nice summary uh, in these verses. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves, it is the gift of God, not by works so that anyone can boast. For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. So there's a couple of uh, churchy words, I guess, in this passage. Yeah. And thinking about their meanings helps us really understand the heart of what's going on in Christianity. So the first of those words is is grace. Um, I guess we, we kind of use that word a bit. Well, it's not the capital G, grace. So we're not talking about a person. No. But uh, we might, people might say grace when they're at their... Sure, yeah. Like at Before a meal or something. or something. Yep. But I don't think it's that either. No, grace is about... Um, a free gift, really, is probably a good summary. Like if someone shows you grace, they they give you something that you don't deserve. Again, you haven't earned it. Uh, it's a gift. That's at the heart of what a gift is. Um, uh, and so Paul, in writing to uh, the church here, says, you're saved by grace. That is uh, the thing that rescues you from your sin, uh, the thing that brings you in a relationship with God is a gift. It's God's grace. He He gives it to you. You don't earn it. Um, so grace is kind of a, a key concept and a word for Christians. Uh, it's encouraging. It's encouraging for us who are very aware that we have failed to do uh, all that God would want us to do and we're not good enough to have earned it. When we're aware of that, we realize, wow, it's only because God is gracious uh, and loving uh, that I can have a relationship. So Christians believe we're saved by grace, not by anything that we've done. Uh, not from yourselves, it says. Uh, the other word there is is faith. Um, again, this is something that you might hear Christian people speaking about, but you not, might not understand exactly what yes, faith is. Faith, faith, faith. That one? Yeah, there's plenty of songs, yeah. you know, a <laughs> bit, of, bit of George Michael. Is that yeah. George Michael? Yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> before my time, <laughs> yeah, no, Not before mine. Um, yeah, so faith um, is really about uh, a trust, uh, a dependence. Um, and so uh, this is a free gift that God offers us. And the way we uh, accept it is through faith by just saying, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to trust and receive 
Uh, again, using that imagery we talked about before about when someone offers a child a gift, um, they accept it, and I guess they're they're trusting in doing so. They're gonna they yeah, they say they, yes. They go in with the assumption that the gift is going to be a good thing that they're going to maybe benefit from the gift or it's going to be something that, you know, because it's something that someone that loves them and they know that they love them, it, you know, there's there's that inherent trust there. And, and so they just, yeah. yeah, they just accept it. Yep. Yeah. So, yeah, the way to a relationship with God is by putting your trust, putting your faith uh, in Jesus. Now, to this point, sometimes when I'm chatting to people, they say, oh, I wish I had your faith, hmm. you know, as if. Uh, faith is almost like a magical thing. Some people have it uh, and some people don't have it. Uh, and I wish some people say, I, I wish I did have it, but but I don't. And that's what's stopping me coming into this relationship with God. Uh, I think I want to debunk the idea that faith is somehow a religious or a magical sort of concept. I think every single person has faith. And the question is, what is your faith in? Like, you know, we all we all trust in things. Maybe we we trust in uh, our own abilities, or we trust in uh, money. Um, there's lots of different things that we do put our faith in, or our trust in. And there's nothing particularly religious about the word or the concept. Um, when I sat down in this chair that I'm I'm sitting in, uh, I guess I I showed faith. My faith was in the chair that when I sat on it, it wasn't going to collapse. Um, and I judged this chair to be trustworthy, so I sat in it. It's like that with Jesus, really. It's about looking at the things that we've spoken about, looking at Jesus' life, if, as you've read through Mark, looking at his death and his resurrection and saying, is this a guy that I can trust with my life? Do I believe that these things about him are true and I accept them? And am I willing to commit myself to him and to trust in him? Because uh, an act of faith, it's we've talked about receiving a gift. It's not like it's some sort of uh, theoretical concept that you're accepting. You're accepting a person. So faith is in Jesus, the person, and an acceptance of him to be in a relationship with him, to entrust yourself to him, to put him in charge of your life and the decisions you'll make. That's what receiving uh, this gift of grace really looks like, putting your trust in the person of Jesus. Uh, people often ask the question too, Andy, well, you know, does that mean that you can just do whatever you want now? Like, you know, if it's not about the good works that we do, if it's not about yeah, being good enough no, for there's God. There's not a set of rules that we have to follow to get God's love, so, well, you can I just, can just live how I want then. Yeah, yeah. And this last little bit uh, in Ephesians that we looked at, I think, really is helpful for getting this in the right order. Uh, for God's handiwork... Some translations say we're God's work of art. Beautiful way of thinking about how much God values and treasures us. Created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared for advance, in advance for us to do. Uh, so Christians say it's not the good works that bring you into relationship with God. That's a free gift that you just accept on trust. But having done that, the good works flow out of that. It's a response to what Jesus has done. It's a response of being uh, grateful to Jesus for all that he's done. And it's a response because we want to live a new way and model ourselves on Jesus, that great servant 
leader, a servant of other people, and uh, the beauty of his life to be reflected in our own life. So it's not that we don't do good works. It's that that doesn't earn us a place with God. It's a response to what God offers us freely. Uh, So as well as this podcast, uh, we also have um, our talks from Sundays published in this same feed. And if you've subscribed, you've probably seen them pop up in the feed. And this question of of, um, doing, do we take grace and then live how we want was actually spoken about um, in our uh, episode a couple of weeks ago. Um, It was published on May 7th, 2019. um, And it was this conversation between our our Youth and Young Adults Minister, Kirk McKenzie, and two just people from our our church here, uh, Lockie and Anna. And Lockie actually... Yeah, spoke a, a bit about this question because he he loves to think about big questions, and that was part of the journey that um, that he took in in becoming a Christian and going hundred uh, percent into into following a, and um, having a relationship with Jesus. And this question actually came up in that episode. So I'd really encourage people if they're if this question in particular is something they're sort of wrestling with and, and have grappled with as they've been reading, um, yeah, go and listen to that one. So that's uh, come and see. Uh, Anna and Lockie, um, published on May 7th, yep. 2019. Yep. Uh, go and listen to that. It was a great episode. And, and just good to hear actual people's testimony, their story of how they've wrestled with concepts like this and have come through the other side and, uh, and yeah, are now living in the, in the way of Jesus. Yep. Yeah. Fantastic. Yeah. So I guess the summary of today, just to put it all in a nutshell, is that None of us is good enough to earn a relationship with God. We've all stuffed up. We've all failed. We need to be honest about that. It's impossible, Jesus says, uh, for humans to enter uh, a relationship with God, God's kingdom, uh, through our own actions. But the good news, and it is good news, is that uh, Jesus makes a way. His own perfect life and his death dealing with our sins and his resurrection uh, opens the way, and it's offered to us freely. It's grace, a free gift, and we just need to receive it like a child, which means turning to Jesus and saying yes, putting our trust in him, giving our lives to him. And the flip side of the thought that I need to be doing good works to um, to earn God's love, the flip side of that is that I've done too many bad things and God could never love me, but the good news again is that that love, that grace, that gift is far bigger, far, far, far bigger than any bad thing um, that you could possibly have done. Um, I mean, Jesus is talking about, when he's talking to that rich guy, he's like, well, make sure you don't murder, don't commit adultery on your father and mother. I mean, murder is a pretty big one, right? And I, I would be surprised if there's anyone listening who has committed murder, not judging you if you did, but Jesus is saying, even if you have I'll forgive you. Yep. There's no limit there. There's Absolutely. no there's no terms and conditions to oh, except if you've done this. Um it's it's a free gift and it's offered to everyone. Yep. Beautiful example. Uh one of the people being crucified next to Jesus, who probably was a murderer, yep. frankly. I mean, he would have been uh a bit of a vigilante bandit, probably had killed and tried to overthrow Roman rule. Uh, turns to Jesus in his dying moments and says, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus says, today you'll be with me in paradise. Uh, That guy had not done good works, 
that guy had no further opportunity to kind of do enough good stuff to be with God. But he turns in that moment to Jesus and says, you know, will you receive me in? Will you welcome me in? And Jesus says, yeah, you've turned to me, I will. And the same goes for anyone listening. Uh, there's nothing that you've done that God doesn't know about, uh, but there's nothing that you've done that is big enough to be a barrier that Jesus' death and resurrection can't deal with it. It's a free gift. It's offered to you. It is offered to you. I want you to hear that. Uh, and all you need to do is receive it and say yes to Jesus. And you don't have to wait until you're on your dying breath like that that guy being crucified next to Jesus. Uh, there are uh, so many benefits, I think, as well as the, the eternal benefits of having a relationship with Jesus, but the here and now as well, uh, living your life the way that um, God had, has always intended humans to live uh, is you know, worth more than you could ever imagine. Absolutely. Uh, and we're going to unpack that a little bit Absolutely. more uh, in our uh, episodes to follow to know what that life looks like. Yeah. So we've finished the book of Mark now. Do we have any additional homework? Uh, no homework. No homework. No, homework no. free week this week. Absolutely. Fantastic. Um, so we've, yeah, we've now read the entire book of Mark. That's a great accomplishment. Um, if, if there was something, where do you reckon the next place to go is? Oh, having read the book of Mark? Have the, having read the book of Mark, what's a good second book to maybe start tackling? I'm putting uh, it on the spot here. We yeah, you are. Um, that's okay. Uh, look, you could uh, dive into, uh, the book of, uh, Philippians in the New Testament. So that's another one of Paul's letters. Yep. Uh, probably more about uh, what it looks like to live a life following uh, following Jesus. Uh, if you want to go to that next step of thinking about what that life looks like, uh, you could always pick another one of the biographies of Jesus. If Mark's wet your appetite, um, jump into the next one in order, Luke. Um, yeah. yeah, a bit longer. Uh, you'll see some familiar things that you've seen in Mark, but yeah, it can uh, be good to different get a angle. different perspective on yeah. it. Yeah, uh, Luke in particular is um, Luke was a, a basically a journalist, wasn't he? Oh, he's a doctor. Well, he's a doctor. Yeah. And then he, so he's gone and sort of researched after the fact. He wasn't one of Jesus' original followers, but he's gone and researched after the fact. He's gotten eyewitness testimonies and sort of collated that. Yeah, um, very. Yeah. Uh, he's really a historian in his approach. Loves the details. Lots of things that he's written have been uh, checked out later and things that no one necessarily believed at the time because it didn't seem right historically. Archaeological digs basically proved that Luke's facts were spot on. So, yeah, yeah loves that sort of detail and historical record. If that's you, that that's a good one to read. Cool. All yeah. right, but that's all extracurricular. Yep. We won't be following through Philippians or, or, um, or Luke in this podcast, but if you've, as Tim said, if your appetite has been wet then, yeah, Luke or Philippians, great next steps for, for reading. Based on Mark, chapters 11 through 16, we've got uh, a question that's come in. Yep. And it's about the uh, specifics of um, their counting system, I guess. Was Jesus, did Jesus not know how to count? Because he died on a Friday. Okay, yep. And he was raised on a Sunday, but he said three days later. So, yeah. that's kind of... I mean, depending on what time of day he died and what time of day he rose, it it might be 48 hours, which is two no, days. Nowhere near. Yeah. Nowhere near three days. So this has probably been prompted by, we were talking about Jesus predicting what was going to happen to him, and three days yeah, is he, what he was talking about. He always about. came back to that three days. Uh, yeah. But it was maybe, well, maybe a day and a half. <laughs> yeah. Even, okay. 
um, yeah, it does come back to how you count. And uh, obviously, we're we're pretty precise with our time. And we from the starting point, how many hours later to the end point, uh, how many days is that? Uh, whereas in the Jewish counting system, they included part days as well. So Jesus died and was buried on Friday. That's one day. Right. He was in the tomb on Saturday. And then uh, he was and he was raised on Sunday, but you know he was still in the tomb for part of Sunday. So that's three days in that way of counting, and it's just a different mindset and way of thinking about things. Uh, it's quite well recorded that that was the way that uh, the Jewish counting system worked in terms of those part days. And so when Jesus is talking about three days, that's that's why. Yeah, but it's a bit hard yeah, to sure. get your head around. If yeah, you know, it's no, that's not the way we think about things. No, yeah, yeah having that zeroth day that we would say as the Friday that's he's dead then the first day and Saturday but no yeah that, that's uh yeah I mean that's the the challenge sometimes of having these uh historical texts that are 2,000 years old yep. that things change like we we have a different counting system now and you know culturally things are much different so we have to always try and reframe it yep uh in our mind a little bit to take into consideration those contextual yep things great Well, thanks for joining us. That's bringing us to the end of episode four of Christianity Explored. We thank you for joining us. We hope that you've enjoyed this series so far. Don't forget, if you do have questions of your own, you can email that through to us, questions at stjohnsdc.org.au. We would love to answer them on the podcast for you. Next week, we'll be back looking at more of the um, here and now, the practical stuff. What does it actually mean now that you've made that decision to follow in faith, taking that free gift of grace from Jesus. Um, What does that mean now for your life today? But we'll see you next week. Subscribe in your favorite podcasting app on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, wherever you get your podcasts from. Thanks for listening and we'll see you next week.